Blog Talk Radio. Radio. I am Caroline Chang, your host. The mission of Awake to Oneness Radio is to inspire the world to awaken to the universal truth of oneness. Science and spirituality are telling us that we are all connected, that we're all one. So what you do to another person, you're literally doing to another aspect of yourself. So when mankind wakes up to the universal truth of oneness, there will be peace on earth. Today's show topic is World Peaceful Introduces Real Hope with Peace Clown Suzanne Carew. Suzanne is actually connecting live from Australia. I so appreciate her being with us. And um, welcome, Suzanne, to Awake to Oneness Radio. Welcome, Hello there, Carolyn. How are you? Great to be on air with you. Love it, love it, love it. I love it. I love your accent. <laughs> I just yeah, I love have yours. to tell you. I just love the accent. I could just listen to you talk because I just love your accent. But, Suzanne, thank you for for sharing, um, being with us live. Uh, It is early Saturday morning there. It is um, 7 o'clock in the evening on the east coast of the states, of the United States, but it is uh, 9 a.m. there in Australia on a Saturday. Different day. We're not even on, we're not even in the same day. But um, could you please yes. share, <laughs> can you share oh, with you? Gonna, I will. Okay. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. You're talking with a clown now, so it may not go so smoothly because we, we tend to be spontaneous. <laughs> oh, I love and it. Hopefully. I love it. I love the spontaneity. I love clowns. (laughs) What I was going to tell you was even though we are on different uh, parts of the world, in truth we're in the the now moment. Now this is is the oneness. And for those who are listening at this point in time right now, this is the perfect moment for you to tune in because you're here with us. And I also want to say to you, Carolyn, that I really loved your introduction And I'm sending love to you, too, because what you're doing is absolutely essential um, on the planet right now. And I think many of us, in a sense, are spontaneously starting to awaken to the idea that we're actually talking, as you said quite succinctly, to aspects of ourselves. And I guess I would reflect the aspect that's the clown that is the part of us that's not serious, this is the non-ego aspect which loves everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so true, so, so true. That, that is so true what you just said. It is always, all there is is the now. Time is an illusion. And I, I love how Einstein said, said it. Time is merely an illusion. 
albeit a very persistent one. I love that. I just That's my favorite Einstein quote. So we know all there is is the now moment. It's just now it is Saturday for you, and it's still Friday for me, but it's still all the now moment. And what I love about Internet radio is that whenever, if someone's listening in live, wonderful, but if they're listening a week from now, uh, two months from now, even a year from now, someone can listen in on this conversation on the Internet. So I, I love that about Internet radio. It will be there <laughs> for everyone to listen to whenever. And when they tune in, will be the perfect time, the perfect now moment for them to tune into this show. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that. But I like I like for you, Suzanne, to share with our listeners your journey. You know, uh, let give the audience a sense of who you are and how you got to be where you're at today. Well, I've had um, an incredibly long journey. It feels like I've lived a few lifetimes in this lifetime. Um, I might just contextualize this by saying. Prior to becoming a clown, I worked um, in two, uh, 400 companies, actually. I worked as a contract worker, uh, temping. Um, I worked in every industry. This is when I was quite young. And I can still, I even worked in um, London uh, for a time. And, I, you know, I remember having an economics degree because I went on and, and did economics. And I was sitting um, doing a temp job at the City of London. And I was looking at all the bankers. And I was seeing them all watching their screens, you know, and there was there was literally rows and rows and rows of them. And and I remember thinking, isn't it interesting? Here I am, I'm an economist and, you know, probably more qualified than some of those guys. And there are heaps and heaps of money, um, whereas I was working as a contractor. And yet I thought to myself, the only difference being is they're looking at a screen and looking at demand and supply curves, you know, up and down, you know, buy and sell. And here I was graphic designing at the time and I was being paid a lot less. So the insight I had from this experience was the thing we call work and how it's paid for and the inequalities in which it creates and how we perceive ourselves on the basis of what we do. Now, what led me into clowning was really um, inspiration because after my two years in Britain, I actually... Um, I'd had a very difficult time um, and I was really asking within myself, I want happiness. And I said, even if I can have it for two weeks, I was trying to negotiate. <laughs> that would be good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Give me two weeks of happiness. And, and I'm not an unhappy person, I might add. I'm, I'm actually an optimistic person by nature. So it just shows you the degree to which I was under stress, like many people are today. Um, yes. And as it turned out, I came back to Australia and I got inspired to become a clown. Now, it was just the universe conspiring, you know. Um, I had a friend who ran a business enterprise centre um, near Canberra. Canberra is the capital of Australia. Queanbeyan is just on the, is the next town, if you like. It's only um, 20 minutes from Canberra and it's in New <laughs> South Wales, so it's in another state. So um, I... I actually went to this BEC in Queanbeyan and a friend of mine had a presenter uh, called Patricia Cameron Hill and Shane Yates. Now, Shane's her husband and the two of them were talking about humour um, in workplaces. And so 
they were trying to educate teams of people to lighten up at work and to start to bring funny into work. And I had Uh the opportunity to meet with Patricia afterwards and we got talking and and she talked in the lecture about being a clown. And, of course, I perked up when I saw the clown because, you know, I come from a family of idiots, really. (laughs) And... um, and so I just said to her, oh, you know, I can do that. I can be a clown. And so within 24 hours, I called another crazy friend of mine who, who's also into spirituality, actually. Um, you know, Conversations with God, you know, the yes. by Neil yes. Donald Walsh. Well, we were kind of having a look at that and exploring it at the time. <laughs> Beautiful. And I just, I just said to her, you know, let's just go and be clowns in the hospital. You know, let's go. So we did. We went to the $2 shop bought up some colourful clothes and props and I think we had we, we created Wally the Jolly Trolley <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and we basically just went to a hospital and started hugging everyone oh and how that, beautiful that's how it began <laughs> well no that is so beautiful that is so beautiful I think comedians and clowns have, have the best jobs in the world I mean it's so true what they say about laughter laughter is the best medicine and um, you know, to to bring joy and laughter to someone, especially like in a hospital, it's just it's that's amazing. I, I think that's wonderful. And yet, um, I'll talk about Patch Adams a bit later. But something, I mean, as you know, I went to Russia with Patch. But um, what was interesting about a statement Patch made is that he said, "What we think um, people may think what we do is extraordinary." But in reality, it's ordinary. And I agree with him. It appears extraordinary in a world that's quite depressed. But our natural state of being is joy when we're in alignment with our truth. Um, Now, truth is obviously a contentious issue. Everybody has different viewpoints on truth. But the sort of truth I'm talking about is when you're in alignment with your true self. And you always know that it's true because it feels good. And so the clown or the fool, I'm a fool, um, my archetype is a fool, sort of reminds us to connect into the lighter part of who we are by simply letting go of, we're kind of like shedding a lot of the conditioning. And I'll explain to you a little bit as we go through what it's like to actually be a clown and what really is going on because it's a, it's a, anyone is a clown. I know plenty, everyone is a clown in truth. We all are. You know, you go have a few beers and suddenly you become a twit, you know, or you start mucking around. <laughs> and that's that's the energy. So we all have it, and that's why typically clowns are loved, even though there are there is emerging fears around clown. I do understand that as well, and it's not to do with the clown. It's to do with not being able to control situations. Um, clowns are spontaneous, so we... We very much come into a moment. We don't know what we're doing, those of us who are fairly wild clowns. (laughs) And we just simply connect and we play with those who are around us. So that's what um, the clowning experience in the hospital was really fantastic because what I know and certainly what Patch Adams knows and many others know who, who are in the healing area is that the humor it actually evokes endorphins in the body. It catalyzes um, a biochemical reaction in the body where you actually are generating all these endorphins. And this is like your natural high. It gives you a natural yeah. high. And so 
when you go into a moment and you start to play with someone, you know, it's a really amazing, beautiful experience because you're actually joining with that other. There is no sense of separation in that moment of humour when you're all laughing. And what I can honestly say to you, I mean, I feel privileged having been a clown because it's given me the true insight into what it's like to be one with everything. And there's no thought, you see. When you're a clown, you don't have time to go, oh, I think I'll hug that person or I won't hug that person. (laughs) You can't. You go into a space and it's like, I am in love. Who... Who's next? <laughs> yeah. You don't even think that. You just go, you just race up to people. But you do it in a way that's um, non-confronting. Like I've, I've learned over the years, if I'm going to massage, give someone a massage on the back, for example, give them the experience of peace, I show yeah. them the massage at first and I get eye contact and I make sure that they're saying to me, yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't just yeah. rush up to them and just go, right, I'm going to make you happy. You know, that, that's not my job. My job is to be happy and share it. I'm not here to make you happy, actually. Right. And, yes. And what I say to people if they come out with me on the street or whatever, wherever I am, I say, we're not here to entertain the public. The public is entertaining us. <laughs> <laughs> so don't worry about pleasing them. It doesn't matter. Right. Please yourself. Right. That that is so 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 true. What you shared about going within, and it's so so true that everyone. I I encourage that on the show all the time. Everyone's truth may look different, um, but you find truth within. You go within and tap into that truth that is inside of you, and then bring it out. That's why you came here. You came to to be your authentic true self. And it comes from within. You have to go within to find it. And and it doesn't have to look, it won't look the same as anybody else's truth. It's not supposed to. It's supposed to be your uniqueness that you bring to the whole because we are all one and we all have that uniqueness to bring and share with each other. So it's so true what you're saying is so true. So true. I mean, so we're so much in alignment, and you're on the other side of the world. <laughs> and yet, and yet, I'm not. You know, and and what I see is it's not a doing; it's a being. And so, so for people who are listening to this and say, "Well, how do I tap in?" Well, it's it's you don't have to worry about that. It's just just do whatever you love, whatever wherever love inspires. You're naturally connecting anyway. It, it, you don't even get, have to give it any thought whatsoever. Um, love, love itself shows you the way. The beautiful thing about clowning is because I'm not thinking when I'm clowning, and this is a difference from performance clowning where they've actually got a show that they're putting on for you. I'm a different type of clown. I'm a peace clown. So what that means is when I turn up, I'm just turning up and I have no idea what I'm going to do. I have no idea. Um, my skill base I would put probably as medium in terms of if I compared myself to professional clowns who go out there and they juggle a thousand you know, clubs, and, <laughs> and they do all these amazing magic tricks, you know. I call them the masters of the universe. <laughs> uh, I'm a different type of clown. My my attraction to clowning was to go and really connect, and I have a very, um, I'm very, um, I have, a, I have a, an ability to connect with anyone, anywhere, and I can make an instant friendship w- whether I'm a clown or I'm not because, it's the love energy within me that I'm projecting and 
and I genuinely love everyone that I meet. And I've, you know, just to sort of give you a bit of an idea, you know, the hospital, I'll just give you a, a bit of an insight into the hospital planning and then on the streets a little bit. Um, in the hospital, it's very, very powerful. I mean, I've met the most amazing people in hospital. I even met, I even met soldiers because I did some um, clowning with the veterans. <laughs> One of them had told me he'd even seen, um, he, he was at Hiroshima, and he was obviously a long way from when that bomb exploded, but he was around that. He, wasn't, he said he saw it. I don't know. I'm thinking back to that. I'm thinking, is that really true? But that's what he told me. And, you know, I met other people. Um, I met a guy, for example, you may laugh at this. He was American. Uh-huh. And if I want to stir up, if I want to stir an American, I can call them Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> Are you Canadian? No, I'm American. I'm an American. <laughs> and uh, I said to this guy, "Oh, where are you from in the states?" And he goes, um, "I'm from Texas." I went, "Really?" I said, "Do you know George Bush?" Because this was around the era of George Bush. Uh-huh. And he goes, "Actually, he's my neighbour." <laughs> I said, "You're kidding me." <laughs> I said, what's oh, right? Okay. He goes, there's a lot of shooting next door. <laughs> and I thought, well, what soon? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, look, it's, it's hilarious. And, you know, I met another guy who had, I think it was um, cerebral palsy. Uh-huh. And I, I was clowning with a really lovely old guy. He's about 70 years old, and, and he was an incredibly beautiful clown. And he and I went up to this guy, and this guy had an old-fashioned typewriter, like you know the you know the ones with the keys that you bang, bang, bang away on. Yes. <laughs> he he was typing poetry in the hospital, and uh-huh. I had a look at it, and it was the most amazing. It was actually he was typing um, poetry from in the Australian sort of traditional poetry, you know, out in the rural outback, you know, sort of thing. Uh-huh. And so I grabbed his poem. And I started to speak it out loud to everyone. And he was happy with that. Mm. And it was the most incredible poem I had ever read. And I'm a poet myself. And it was like how you look at this man, he was ticking, dribbling, carrying on. People would look at him and write him off. But he wasn't. He was brilliant and he was deeply inspired. And I, when I think of him, I feel this enormous love. I'm feeling it right now. He, he was just so beautiful. And anyway, we made a real connection. And my, me and um, we call, I call him Harry Potter. I'm called Peaceful. <laughs> Harry <laughs> Potter and I, we headed off down the hall after we finished. And then he right. started staggering down the hall after us like he was dragging his leg. <laughs> he was all excited. And he gave me his telephone number and his address, and he wanted to keep in touch. Yes. Now, that uh, comes from just a moment with someone. Actually, there's a couple of more moments I'm going to just tell you whilst, whilst it's coming into my mind. Another amazing thing that happened was I was with this woman who was sitting up at the end of her bed and she had a bed tray in front of her, like, you know, for food. Right. And I go up to her and I go, oh, hello, gorgeous. I said, you're so gorgeous today. I said, um, I've got my love glasses on, you know, and, you know, and I was sort of spreading the love and... What I did was um, I blew up a balloon. What I often do is blow up a balloon and then I accidentally let it go. Oh, oh, oh. And then I chase after it, you know. <laughs> and then I pick it up again and I come back and I put my love glasses onto her. And she got very excited. And 
we had this most amazing interchange. And then a woman at a bed across from us, she pipes up and she goes, she's apparently a nurse, but she was unwell. And she said to me, you don't know what you've just done, do you? I went, no. And she goes, that woman has not smiled in six months and she has not lifted her arm in six years. She lifted her arm because I I actually tied the balloon up and we had a little game. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I just went, you are kidding. And that's when I started to think that I reckon the clowning axis is a different part of the brain. Um, It's an unexplored part of science and I think any scientists that are listening... There's a lot of work to be done on humour and what parts of the brain it accesses. Because if she's forgotten, she can't move her arm and move it. Right. I mean, what does that say? I mean, that's interesting, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes. yes. So look, I've, I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot and I've been to a lot of places. What I can certainly say, the essence of coming out of the, the hospital experience is these places are very dreary Uh, Patch Adams went into the clowning because he saw the seriousness of the medical fraternity. They're very busy. They're Mm -hmm. um, academic, um, particularly the doctors. The nurses are run off their feet. Um, There's also a bit of bullying that goes on within the medical areas these days because of um, must be low self-esteem and pressure happening. So Mm -hmm. the clowns can sort of be an interruption to that, which is good. Um, We can help rehumanize spaces where people have not are losing their sense of humanity and they're not connecting um, so that's why Patch became a clown um, he said he learnt a lot from the nurses himself uh, if a patient died for example and he had to, a doctor had to talk to the parents he noticed right. they were very clinical and what he realised was that what the people needed was they needed the feelings, they needed the emotions they needed the human connection Right. In, in right. order to be, you know, to have this sort of compassionate discussion about what's just happened, and he right. felt the doctors weren't able, and you could extend that out to men. Um, it's to do with emotional suppression within um, the masculine, trying to dis- discriminate itself from the feminine. But what I'd like men to understand, because clowning is a very feminine activity, in that we are connecting through love and hugging and shaking hands and dancing and everything, singing. <laughs> Right. So for the men listening to this, your masculinity has got nothing to do with being loving and nurturing and kind and compassionate. But we've been delivered a lot of archetypes through the media, violent videos and what have you, which have defined males in a, a less feeling state of being, where they seem to be strong through silence and not showing their emotions because it's vulnerability. In, in reality, it's the absolute opposite that gives you power, real power. The real power comes from being real. And you talked mm-hmm. about authenticity. Absolutely yes. being real in the moment. If you want to cry, cry. It's not being a girl. And there's nothing wrong with being a girl, by the way. It's a good thing. <laughs> True. I highly recommend it. <laughs> but don't get a sex change. You'll be fine. You're, you're still gorgeous <laughs> as you are. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to add that in because... Um, this compassion, it has to become much more prevalent on the planet if we want to end all wars and if we really do want to achieve peace on the planet, we've got to connect and rebalance the masculine and feminine within. Um, yeah. It's in every human being and you will certainly notice some men are more feminine in the sense that they're more gentle and nurturing. 
some women yeah. can be pretty, yeah. you know, Bolshevik, you know, be pretty, uh, or they can be, you know, real out there women that, you know, sort of the doors go down before they even get there. <laughs> so yes. it's finding the balance in truth. Mm-hmm. Balance uh, is key. Yeah, I balance. said balance is key because we are both. We we do have masculine and feminine energy, and to to balance them is key. Very true. It it is, and what I find as a clown because I have to adapt very quickly in every moment to whomever I'm with because I'm not there to create disharmony. I'm not here to force people to be happy. I want you just to do whatever you want to do. If you want to be miserable, I'm happy for that as well. Like, but I won't interrupt. <laughs> I'll leave you with it. <laughs> but if you if you want to dance and play, I'm I'm there. I'm ready. I'm I'm waiting for you to come join me. It's like that's the way I dance. I I dance with people, so I'm really sensing their energy. Um, um, I'm going to jump around a little bit here. I'm going to just take you mentally into um, a mental health hospital I went to in Vietnam. I was invited by um, a doctor here in Australia. I was doing a course in Bangkok, and I'll come to that as well. But I remember um, they were experimenting with me, the doctors. They were seeing how the clown worked um, in this room. They took me into a room with a child with ADHD. And Mm -hmm. I didn't know the child had ADHD, and I found myself going through all my props because I was naturally seeking to connect and I didn't realize just how um, how skillful this work is um, I have a, a red nose that I squeak <laughs> so I try auditory so you squeak the nose see if that connects <laughs> and if the child responds that's great if that doesn't work I try juggling which is kinetic mm-hmm. so you, you juggle and see whether movement does anything for them um, and all the whilst you're, you're smiling and you know you're making eye contact with them and I noted very quickly that the child was very restless. The child was sort of jumping all around the place, not able to focus. And I, I, I knew that the child, child's energy, I knew the child's energy actually because it was not unlike the clowns. You know, we clowns move from one thing to another quite quickly. Right. And this child was doing it. Now, in my worldview, I didn't have an issue with the child moving from one thing to another. I noticed the child had an, an interest in music, so sound worked with this child. And right. apparently I did something, um, I must have done something great with the child or was perceived that way because the mother mm-hmm. felt I'd healed the child. Now, I'm not making any claim to healing the child at all. I think somehow I related to the child and... What I would have recommended had I spoken Vietnamese, what I would have recommended to the doctor is just let the child run around and be free, you know. Let them get the energy out in, in its erratic way. Don't don't tell them they're wrong. Don't block them. Don't force them into conformity. <laughs> let them be free to be distracted. On a, You know, it's like we all say this is normal and you should all fit the mould. Well, I don't agree with that. I think we're all normal in our own way, but we do normal differently. And as a clown, I get very used to dancing with a lot of variety and diversity. And I think perhaps a lot of mental health conditions have come from the resistance, the stifling off of what is natural. You know, emotionally, if we block our emotions, we get depressed. That's why people get depression. They're they're resisting the natural flow that's waiting, the awareness that's waiting to flow through them 
because they're in resistance out of fear. So right. you can't just take antidepressants to deal with that. You've got to face your fear with courage, really look at it. I, I would recommend the work of Byron Katie on that one. Um, uh-huh, the conflict yeah. transformation, conflict yeah. transformation. Question mm-hmm. your negative thinking. Do not believe it's true. It never is, not for one second. If you are in judgment of anyone, it's because there's something in, in you that's a bit fearful of that other and you're projecting that fear onto them. And so that becomes what you see in the world. That's why what you said in the very beginning, what you see in yourself is, or what you see in another is in yourself, yes. is absolutely yes. true. As a clown, I see only beauty in the world. There is nothing unacceptable in my world. And I've clowned in I've refugee camps, HIV clinics, um, leprosy colonies. Mm-hmm. I've clowned in a whole host of hospitals, Mother Teresa's Missionary of Charity in India. I have oh. been with people who are completely disabled, like disabled in the most horrific ways in India. And what I, what I saw was sparks in their eyes. <laughs> wow. That is I saw so the beautiful. Beauty. <laughs> yes, that is so beautiful. That's, that's so beautiful does. to see the beauty in everything. And I, 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 I understand and I resonate and understand what you're, you're saying so fully because I, I say that to people all the time, focus on, look for the beauty and you will see it because there's beauty in everything. And if you look for it, you will see it. And I get, you know, you get those naysayers. You know, yeah, I'm walking around with rose-colored glasses. No, it's like, no, I'm looking for the beauty, and so I see it. I see the beauty. Well, well, in truth, truth, you are the beauty that you see. You see, Um, Mm -hmm. so. Even the even the word naysayer, it's like it's just simply yeah. that they've blocked off they've blocked off yeah. the beauty um, that's within them. It's actually within you is where the beauty really is, and that's the connectedness to the oneness that we bring back to this theme. Exactly. The beauty exactly. within you is the love. It's the love, and love absolutely changes what you see, but it's not yeah. rose colored. Now, if we were to look at a sort of a, a critical type of thinking, let's say we look at the world of terrorism and all the rest of it, the filter through which you're looking is the media because you're not in Syria, you're not in Iraq. You know, you're not physically facing that other who is frightening in, and knowing in your own experience what's going on there. Now, right. so therefore you've internalised someone else's story that you believe is true and if you're constantly hearing it in repetition that's called operant conditioning if it's been cycled to you continuously you are going to take that on as a truth and you're going to say there are terrorists out there and we've got to protect ourselves well I'm a clown and I know that there was um, a silt walker Um, I've forgotten her name now but she was she was from Britain and she uh-huh. went to Iraq and uh-huh. still walked all around there when it was in conflict. Uh-huh. <laughs> Not uh-huh. one person shot at her. <laughs> she was fine. Right. Now, Patch Adams also went to Afghanistan. Uh-huh. And that was around the time when it was um, there was a lot of conflict going on. I think it was... Uh, I'm not, not sure if it was the Russian invasion 
I think it would have been not the. It wasn't when the American Alliance came in, but uh, prior to that, he went with right. women as well. He took female clowns with him, and it was the time of the Taliban, which is still happening today, of course, Taliban. Right. And you know, women have to wear full cover. You see, um, under sh- under Sharia uh, Sharia law. Mm-hmm. Um, yet he took all the clowns in there, and they're on top of a big combi. <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine the, Af- the Afghans would have loved it because. Afghans are actually really lovely people, and then um, I had a very good friend who's Afghan, and they're very, very funny. They, they have a very bizarre sense of humour, <laughs> but they would have absolutely adored seeing the clowns. And these are very simple people; they're, they're village type people. Uh-huh. And he had no problem whatsoever; not one shot fired at him. Now mm. I remember Patch. I have to laugh at this because I remember Patch saying that if you just dropped in a thousand clowns into, you know maybe Israel and Palestine or, you know, maybe Syria. <laughs> the problem would yeah. stop because what are you going to do with a bunch of clowns? You're just going to go either laugh at them or shoot them, I suppose. But it's like, <laughs> you know, why, why shoot them when they're funny? <laughs> I just got to make... Yeah. Actually, I'll tell you something funny. I, yeah. I owned a clown in, in a suburb around Melbourne and uh, right. I there were some policemen in the um, cafe uh-huh. And I went up to the cops and I, and I said, um, I said, hello, darling. I said, would you like a nice massage? You know, you've had a hard uh-huh. day, police, you know, fighting crime. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, yes, thanks, that'd be great, you know. So I start uh-huh. massaging away there, and he's really enjoying it. Lots of oohs and ahs <laughs> coming from him. And I said, I have a surefire way of fighting crime. I said, would you like to hear it? And he goes, yes. What's that? I said, when you have the criminal, when the criminal is running away, what you have to do is you have to crack a very, very good joke, <laughs> you know, very funny, very funny. And then he will drop his weapon. He'll drop his weapon because he's, you know, folded, he's folded over in, you know, paroxysms of laughter. <laughs> and I said, then you've got your criminal. I said, but there's right. only one thing you have to remember. You have to make sure that it's funny. <laughs> Otherwise, he'll shoot you. <laughs> but that—that that is so true. What you're saying, it's so true about that. What you see out—it's because we are all one, and so what we are, what we see is what we're projecting from ourselves. So it, it is so true what you're saying that how we look at the world is just through our own eyes. Because really, it's just one of us. We're, we're, all there is is us, and we're we're just seeing a reflection. The outer world is just a reflection of our inner world. So it's so true that's what you're right. saying. Mm-hmm. And that's why a lot of the um, the new teachers, the the new earth teachers now, are really inspiring people to drop the beliefs. Just drop mm-hmm. your beliefs. These these very powerful beliefs that we hold on to. Um, Believing so strongly that this is my identity, when in truth it's not my identity, it's just a belief. And when you question yeah. it, if it's negative, you'll find that it just falls away. Um, I'm going to actually move us forward a little bit because I know our time is probably not that long. And I would like to sort of share with people how this journey evolved. Okay. If that's okay. Yes. Yes. Sure. Um, don't worry about the. Don't worry about the time. <laughs> okay. Okay. So what? So to premise all of that, um, what I've learnt from the clowning in hospitals and on the streets is that 
We're in danger of meeting a friend. We're in danger of making a friend. Um, when you don't think and you just be happy, you will see the most extraordinary world. It's not rose-coloured. It's actually the way the world really is. It's the real world, actually, is what I see. I see the veil go down. It drops. And when they love you, when you feel love coming at you, that's your mirror being reflected back to you. You put it out there, it comes back. So if you want to change yeah. the world, just be loved, give love unconditionally, and you will be amazed at how fast your life changes. And if you think you're unlovable and practice love and fake it till you make it, you find mm-hmm. that you are absolutely loved. Um, you love that, yeah. and the fact that you're here on the earth means that... Um, Love, you know, love has created all of this. This has all come from the zero point of love. Of love, yes. Which, yes, which is interconnection. Um, and all the oneness really is, is when we drop our story, we suddenly realize I'm looking into the eyes of myself. Mm-hmm. And what I see is something unacceptable. Um, now, moving into other areas, I kind of, for those who are more rational sort of thinkers, it's probably good to bring in some some sort of uh, academic aspect to this. Um, I've also trained at La Trobe University. I'm an economist by training, so um, my early of my background was really looking at international relations, um, looking at political situations across the planet, and and the various conflicts that arise through differences in cultures, differences in languages, differences in. Um, Suzanne, it's not really you, but just kind of make sure you're um, not moving about. It's just the direct, the, using the direct connect link. It's not like a phone line. Um, this happens a lot. Uh, just could you repeat what you just said because it was kind of breaking up. But that wasn't no wasn't problem. your fault. Yes. No problem. I'll just make sure I don't bounce around. <laughs> what I was just uh, expressing to people was that. Firstly, I might—I actually might reframe it and say I dreamed I was teaching peace, which is what took me out of um, a market research background. Mm-hmm. I definitely had a fork in the road in my life. I'm sorry, it's happening again. I'm not sure why. Why we okay. were going really good for a while. Now you're—it's um, just every other syllable we're hearing. Um, okay. okay. What if I go a little bit lower? Is that helpful? I don't know if moving. I don't know if moving made the difference, so I'm not sure. I know you said you were you were moving, you were changing posi- positions, so I'm not sure if that made the difference. Okay, well I'm I'm staying still now. Is that helping? Yes. Okay. All right. What I'd like to share with people is that um, I literally had a shift in consciousness too, and that started when I was in London, um, I think it came from probably an excessive hardship. And I was very, very open in my mind to being happy. And I remember coming back to, um, I was in Canberra at the time, and I made a decision to move to Melbourne. Uh And when I was in Melbourne, I was five minutes from La Trobe University. I decided to check out uh, what was going on at the La Trobe. A course in peace studies and so I talked to the course convener and at the same time I was sort of trying to figure out what I really wanted and 
the only thing I could think of was peace. And I also found another person called Helen Caldercott, who was an anti-nuclear activist here in Australia. Have you ever heard of Helen? No, I haven't. Okay, she started Physicians for Social Responsibility. She set up 40 chapters around the world. She even had um, an opportunity to consult with Ronald Reagan at one point. She's um, very, very uh, well-versed on the industrial military complex. And when I was Googling peace, I found her name and I contacted her and I ended up driving 2,000 kilometre round trip to a place called Matcham, which is just north of Sydney. Uh And we spent Uh an afternoon together and she encouraged me to read her books, some of her books, and she talked to me about, you know, the affairs of the world. She encouraged me to go back to Melbourne and study peace studies at La Trobe. Now, the peace studies course at La Trobe is one of the few in Australia. It's actually no longer there now. Uh But the course looked at things like peace and change. It looked at the politics of nonviolence. It looked at South Asia, so looking at the um, conflict between Pakistan and India. It also uh, looked at mediation. Uh which is a a skill that should be in all schools. Um, All children should be learning how to mediate a conflict by owning their perspective, listening to the other side and collaboratively coming together to resolve the problem. Um, This is how we learn. Um, Many people these days are diving into technology, such as iPads and, you know, they're hooking themselves up, listening to their uh, music or they're on their phones, and what it's doing is it's disconnecting them from one another. And what they're not doing is sitting down. They're not sitting down and working out conflict. They're not working it out. They're not growing. And so what we see is when people don't face conflict, they stay in a state of immaturity. And and so that's why we say this person's acting like a child. You know, we, we say that this person hasn't grown up. And it's right. true that person hasn't grown up because they haven't faced the conflicts of life in order to grow and know themselves and others better. It's yeah. it's an art we're yeah. losing and we haven't even really established peace education and nonviolent education in schools properly. We're calling it anti-bullying right now, but that's more of a negative being applied to something where we need to promote it as a positive peace intervention in schools. Now, I um, through university, I had a look at how nonviolence is perceived. Gandhi obviously is one of my favourites and I end up going to his ashram in um, Ahmedabad in Gujarat in India. Uh-huh. I also uh-huh. dreamed, um, I dreamed that Gandhi came to me. Uh, it was a very short dream. In the dream it was very dark and all I remember is him, him with his glasses, his round glasses but no eyes. And all I can reflect back is I felt myself beneath my feet, which means I felt humble when I saw him and he had the long staff like he was on the long march. And the feeling I got was being seen. And he's sort of been like, if you look into my book, which is on my website, Uh I've actually talked a lot about Gandhi in there as well, but I felt him as a fellow traveler on this journey that I'm on. Um, and so going to his ashram is probably equivalent to going to Mecca for some or, or going to um, 
the Vatican for others. Right. <laughs> it was I, Ashra, <laughs> I also I also have there's also a book uh, there is also a link to your book on my website. So yes. Fantastic. That yes. will give people the real detail. Um so moving on from the university situation, um it was then that I I actually dressed as a clown at university day and sort of interacted with the staff and students and at the end of that day was when I called myself a world peace clown. Oh. Now I just thought who else in the world is a world peace clown? And so I Googled it. <laughs> Good old Google. <laughs> State my life. <laughs> I love Google. And I do too. I giggle yeah. over Google a lot. <laughs> anyway <laughs> I I found I, I Googled peace clowns and I found Patch Adams. <clears throat> And I just impulsively decided to write to Patch and I threw in a photo and I said, oh, maybe one day we can clown together. Well, blow me down three weeks later, his brother, Wild Man, is his <laughs> name. <laughs> I like Wild Man. He um, rang me from Washington and he said, I'm going to put on a really pathetic American accent, so please excuse me. <laughs> okay. He goes, Pat's got, Pat's got your letter. Does, it, does that sound all right? Yeah, <laughs> Pat's got are. your letter. <laughs> and he, oh, and he, wants you to come to, he wants you to come to Russia with us. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, this is on the phone, so I'm saying, oh, that's great. And I'm thinking, I've got no money. How am I going to get to Russia? <laughs> and he's like saying, in five weeks' time, and it's like, okay, this is where miracles you know, kick in. Yeah. And I had a feeling to take his number and I rang mm-hmm. my friend who, who I clowned with in the hospital and, she, you know, uh, she's she's got some wealthy links. And I also contacted uh, Robert D. Costello, who was an Olympian here. I worked with him when I was a research, um, when a researcher. And, uh-huh. and he'd been to Russia, he told me, during the Russian Olympics. I didn't know that. <laughs> but he didn't give me any money. But what ended up happening was a woman who had set up the clowning in Canberra Hospital, this was um, a, a wonderful lady who'd clowned with Patch before, she said to me, I'll ask my mother-in-law and I'll get back to you in 24 hours. Uh-huh. I have to say, blow me down again. I'll just blow myself down and come back up again. <laughs> so she, she, rang me, she rang me 24 hours later and she goes, me and my mother-in-law are going to pay for you to go to Russia. You have to go. Oh, $7,500. And I just promised. Yes. Yeah. It was, it was meant to be. Um, Definitely. So like, like Cinderella, I had people donate everything because I literally had no money. Um, so even the clown suit had to be put together and, you know, we had Perestroika, you know, sort of stamped on it and gloss, uh, glass mossed. Because it was at the time of um, the opening up of Russia. Um, uh, Very interesting times um, in Russia. So within five weeks, I was on a plane heading over to Moscow. And I got to clown with 40 clowns from all over the world. Some Americans. We had British. We had Netherlands, Japan. um, Just trying to think. Where else? A few of the Russians came and clowned with us as well. So it was, mm. it was actually really exciting because we had translators and Patch was there, obviously, and 
he was giving a talk about not handing stuff out to orphans because we were going to go visit orphanages and nursing homes and clown on the street. Uh, they took us on tours of Moscow and St. Petersburg. My experience in Russia um, was very powerful in the sense that there was a great need, particularly in the orphanages. There were 600,000 orphans at the time. Mm-hmm. Many people, when they give birth, if they're alcoholics or, or have some sort of problem, the child is removed and they go into these orphanages. Now, when I teach peace to children, I talk to children about the baby houses. Um, they have rows and rows of babies. Um, now, if the babies don't get hugs, they can either die or become what they call imbecile. Yes. So, so the point I, yeah, I make the point that love actually is essential for life. It's not a, it's not a fluffy term. It's actually the foundation of who we truly are. Yeah. And it, without love, um, and we've got to talk more about love in discourse. Um, it's got, it's got to become part of the national narrative, the global narrative, without it being seen as woo-woo, bloody out there, <laughs> you know, you know, idealistic. It's not. It's absolutely solid. And anyone who's come from a very loving family usually is fairly together. Mm-hmm. So, what I saw was the power of love um, in a group. And the energy was through the roof. Uh, I was amazed at the power of it. And the children responded um, incredibly positively. Everywhere we went, we sent out ripples. Um, Patch's mission is essentially to bring a small group of people together as a tribe. He wanted them to experience unconditional love for two weeks, full service, uh, giving service to every human being that they connect with, He also knew Maria, who was um, a Russian lady who wrote to him. She was an artist. And what Mm -hmm. she did was wrote between an English and Russian dictionary, asking for Patch to help her with her artwork in hospitals. So that's what started Patch's mission to Russia, which he did for eight... He's done it for 20 years, I think, now. Wow. the clowns themselves donated to the orphan, you know, the orphanage, the orphans and um, Maria's children, which was her um, NGO. What they did was they raised the money through the clowns, who all donated money, and mm-hmm. that then went to charities that the orphan children chose. So it was some empowerment there for those kids too. It, it, look, it was wonderful what Patch was doing and. It was a very, very powerful impact. He also made a speech, and it's on my website, and if anybody looks at my YouTube channel, World Peaceful, they'll see um, I've done a, quite a few videos. But there's one really powerful video of Patch talking about the love revolution. Oh. And he talks about the few governing the many. And mm-hmm. what he says is what we want is the many, you know, through a love revolution, um, in a sense, governing you know, the world really, and and he talked about the violence, you know, in Iraq at the time, and he says, has anybody actually thought about love? And he's absolutely right. Do they talk about love in the Pentagon? Do they sit in the White House, in the Oval Office, and say, what would love do next? Not as a wishy-washy statement, but they've got to break this mindset that Attack is defense, or defense um, won't bring on attack. Defense is the first step towards war. 
If you want to stop the violence, you've got to stop being violent. Mm-hmm. If you want a loving world, you have to be loved. There is no other way. The universe operates in this way. It's a universal law. You can fight until, pardon the expression, the cows come home. <laughs> they probably never will. <laughs> but the truth is you have to deal with your own inner discord. Now, I do know that McNamara, through the um, fog of war, admitted, I believe this is true, that the they believed the Vietnamese were in alignment with the Chinese at the time of the Vietnam War, and then they came to understand that there actually was animosity there. So even the problem solving and who's your enemy, it's like there is no enemy, firstly. The enemy is our own thinking. The enemy, yeah. in truth, there is, in my worldview, there's no enemy. I see no enemy. What I see is differences. What I see, if somebody's violent or negative, they're in pain. Mm-hmm. And we need to deal with the situation compassionately. If it's about power or extension, we've got to help break that idea that power is overt in other words I I control you to get my needs met or I threaten you to make you do what I want that's the predominant prevailing paradigm on the planet I will scare you into doing what I want but it doesn't work and as we're getting more powerful weaponization happening we're like you know we've got the um, the power to destroy the planet four times over now, I see that as woo-woo out there, you know, idealistic notions of security. Right. The real security is emotional intelligence. It's seeing the other as yourself. What is it within me that's in discord towards the other? What am I projecting onto that other? And I know it's a negative projection because I'm seeing the shadow go across them. I'm seeing them as the evil other. Now, the minute you do that... And I literally had a conversation with a Vietnam veteran two days ago. And I said to him, how do you create peace? And he goes, well, how we create war is we find an enemy. Period. That's how we do it. If there's no Mm -hmm. enemy, there's no war. Right. But people are still operating out of mindsets. And these wars are not just at the military levels. We're talking about war within ourselves. We're seeing wars in families. We're seeing wars in organizations. We call it workplace bullying. There's wars happening there. We see um, anywhere where you're in an act of defense and you're readying yourself to either defend yourself or attack back, you're in a right. state of war because right. you're in deep fear over something. Well, and, now, and, you, truth. So, and, and yes. truth, the energy of defense is the exact same as attack. Attack and defense are the exact same energy. People think they're different, but they're not. They're the same energy. And... Um, all I say all there is is love. The action, either you're doing an uh, act of love or you're crying out for love. So being, um, quote, unquote, negative, and I don't even like to use the word negative because everything is neutral, but um, um, an unpreferable act is done because they're crying out for love. But the love is within them. They just don't realize that. Because what they are, the essence of them, is love. But when you feel the need to have, if you feel the need to, de- you have to defend yourself, that that feeling is the same energy as that attack feeling you feel that you're, so that defense 
is that feeling you feel that you have to have to defend yourself is just that energy that you're projecting out that's coming back at you feeling like it's attack. Well, that's right, and the and the core essence of that is fear, and that's where those two energies are the same. Now, yeah. anyone that it's a call for help, most definitely. Um, all attack is a call for help, or you're in a state of love. There, there are two ways to see uh, life. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So that's why those of us who are moving really deeply into the peace area, we understand that what we see in our world is a reflection of ourselves, and we have to take full responsibility for our thought forms. So. Yeah. For example, when I sat with the Vietnam vet, if I was an anti-war person, I would be going, oh, he's a Vietnam vet, you know, he's, he's violent. But I didn't. I sat with him with great love and mm-hmm. we exchanged. And I said, I'm, I'm not here in judgment of you as a soldier. I said, you know, I know there's post-traumatic stress disorder because we talked about that. Mm-hmm. And many soldiers suffer deeply through their uh, trauma. And I said, Really, it'd be great to be able to teach, like the work of Byron Katie, to the war veterans yes. who are still suffering because they're they're still in war. Um, mm-hmm. The trauma is so great, and there's enormous courage in war too. But there's also enormous violence, and we have to be have to be straight about this. Um, mm-hmm. So the peace work, and even just harking back to the clowning, is an opposite sort of energy in the sense that. I embrace everyone as a clown. I have no enemies. I see nothing as undesirable. I seek to love everyone. Um, And as I said, I clowned originally with veterans. They were my first group um, that I clowned with, and I adored them. So what I'm saying to everyone is we've got to drop the arms and start making some arms, (laughs) (laughs) A-L-M-S. Yes. We've got to tune back in, tune back in, not out. Yes. <laughs> and if you really want to create peace in the world, we've got to start to communicate in ways that others relate to. So if we're dealing with a, a place like Syria, we've got to look into the culture of Syria and find where we join. Um, we need to, you know, other players involved, the Russians and so forth, you know. What is really in our highest interest? Mm-hmm. Is it all about money? Or is it really about these conflicts coming to us because there's something we haven't quite understood about ourselves just yet? Because nothing comes into your reality by accident. So whatever is being experienced, there is a purpose inherent within it. And it may be a traumatic experience, but out of that can come great things. When You know, I've had trauma in my life which has pointed me towards peace. So I understand that through the fear we learn about love. Um, If we open our minds and look for the lesson in everything, you will grow and you will start to see that you're fine, you're okay. Um, I certainly don't hold the view that the world is a terrible place and I certainly don't believe it's falling apart in the sense of being out of order. I do think an old paradigm is ending and a new paradigm is most definitely beginning. And this new paradigm is really about our continuance. It is about our oneness with not only each other, but with the planet itself, as the planet is a living organism. Um, You know, and and certainly the work that I've done in schools, the Real Hope program, uh, which I created, it's called Real Hope. Uh And it's an acronym for responsibility, empathy, awareness, love, honesty, oneness, peace 
and enjoyment. And if I get a ninth week in school, services on the end. I come into the classroom as a world peace clown and I wear a different colour every week. So if I come in teaching responsibility, I wear red and I have hands on my hat and I say, responsibility is the ability to respond. You can do something. And I teach, I teach children about power over and power within. Um, mm-hmm. When I look at empathy, I wear shoes. I have very big clown shoes and I have orange, um, which is a very warm colour. And I have a big shoe hat. And people can see it on my website. I've, I've actually got a video on my website under anti-bullying. It's under school, school programs, anti-bullying, real hope. Okay. And you'll see the colours that I'm wearing. Um, what those colours are about is coding. It helps children remember the values. Um, within each session, what I do is I start off with humour to get children into a mindset of positive humour. It's not put-down humour. It's all about really fun jokes. Um, and then I talk to children about philosophy and I say, imagine climbing up a mountain, you know, and thinking deeply about something. <laughs> and we'll, we'll discuss, you know, we might discuss Gandhi's statement, be the change you wish to see in the world. What does that mean? Uh-huh. Then we go into critical thinking around that particular value. What is empathy? What does it really mean? What would the world look like if no one had empathy? Well, they'd go around doing what they want to do. <laughs> you know, they wouldn't care about you, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And and I, I talk about body language. I talk about awareness. And I have a purple hat with a big eye on it. And I wear purple. And I say that awareness is opening your eyes. And I have an activity. It's experiential um, teaching. So I have an activity where the kids close their eyes. They imagine the front of the wall, the sides of the wall, the back of the wall. And then I ask them after they've done all that to open their eyes and tell me what they didn't see. And so what I teach there is selective perception. We only pick out of our environment certain things. That's why no one is the whole truth about anything. We're all just responding to life based on the, the very, very small snapshots that we're getting, and it's certainly not the whole truth. So the minute you get that, you realize you may not be right all the time. I also do a blind spot test where I get the kids to cover one eye and look at two dots on a, a, a on like a business card paper. And uh-huh. I say, I want you to just keep staring at one of the dots until the other one disappears. Now, when the other one disappears, has it really disappeared? So they open mm-hmm. their eyes and know the two dots are still there. So why has it disappeared? Well, there's a blind spot in the eye where that dot disappears and I said it's exactly the same as when you think you're right when you think you're right you just see that one spot the other one disappears you cannot hear the other perspective I also um, when I'm I'm teaching so I've just talked about uh, responsibility empathy awareness and love Um, I talk Mm -hmm. I wear pink and I have love hearts (laughs) and I talk about clowning in Russia and what love really is Um, I also talk about honesty and I have a mirror ball and if you can imagine all the little mirrors on the mirror ball, I say to the children, each mirror represents a person on the planet. Now, when you look into the mirror ball, you can't see yourself because there's so many mirrors reflecting truth. It gets confusing. We get confused. I said, but if I give you this mirror, and what I was giving them was a little fluffy, you know, love heart mirror. (laughs) I said, Uh when you look into the mirror... 
Only you can see you. Only you know your own truth. So just be aware that there's lots of truth out there, neither right nor wrong, just lots of truth out there, and you can't see yourself because it's a lot of truth happening. But when you just look at you, reflecting inwardly, only you see you. So I tend to talk about uh, truth-telling as well. We can, you know, I ask kids, can you tell the truth the whole time? And many kids say no, but I say you can. It's mm-hmm. a question of having the truth. Like if you ask me if I like your jumper, just say it's not something I would wear. Um, I might say what's important is not whether I like your jumper, it's about whether you like it, it's a jumper. Yes. If you're asking me would yes. I wear it, well, it probably wouldn't suit me. And that's a way of telling the truth without saying, no, I hate your jumper. (laughs) You know what I mean? Well, it's perfect. It's perfect for you. That's what I, you know, just, you know, you say that jumper is perfect for you. You know, it may not be perfect for me, but it's perfect for you. Yes. So true. And that's peacemaking. That's peacemaking Mm -hmm. where we're not in judgment of one another, but we're allowing diversity to be what it is um, right. and, and learning communication skills. I teach conflict resolution, so I statements. So rather than me saying, um, you know, you are annoying me, um, you know, when you are always talking to this person, you know, you're never talking to me, rather than just making an accusation, which most people do, and right. they're, they're reacting, they're reacting and they're judging. Right. You stop and they... say that when... You would stop and you would say, when I, when I see that you're talking to that person a lot and I'm standing with you, what I feel is left out and what I would like is to be included in the conversation. Exactly. Now that, that's exactly. nonviolent communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's beautiful that you're teaching children at a young age conflict resolution because, you know, a lot of adults <laughs> don't, don't get that, don't understand how to resolve conflict. Like you said, it doesn't have to be your way or someone else. It's that they have their way of doing things, and you can appreciate their way is their way, and you have your way of doing things, and it doesn't have, you don't have to do things the same. You don't have to be the same. You are unique. You're actually not supposed to be the same. You're not supposed to be another person. There's only one you, and you're unique. And you go within, and you be your true self. And I believe when people are tapping into who they truly are, it's easier for them just to, I'm the, this is me. Love me or not, but this is me. And you're not, you don't feel the need to please anyone outside of yourself because by pleasing yourself, you're pleasing all that is. <laughs> because you're a part of all that is. And and you know that you don't have to. The outer world is just a reflection. And the more you please yourself and send that love outward, it's just going to reflect back to you. So true. And, and that, is, that is the new consciousness. And it's, mm-hmm. we're not here to make everyone like us. We're not here to just join with people who agree with us in Glee Club, we're here to embrace the great diversity which creates a contrast, and this is where the law of attraction comes in, mm-hmm. where we say, well, 
you know, if we're seeing people fighting and we say, well, I don't, I don't resonate with that, what I want is to be in harmony with other people. And that is how we use the contrast. The problem across the planet is we've taken very seriously those that we see as different or we have hated what they've done and then we've sought to punish, punish them or try to make them conform to, what, to our view and we've called it freedom. It is not freedom. Freedom is, is a very deep understanding of diversity. Real freedom is understanding that there is a natural order at play here and that I do not know the purpose of that interplay between various people. Certainly from Byron Katie, I've learned whose business are you in? Are you in your own business, in someone else's business, or are you in God's business? Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm, going to, I'm bringing the law of attraction into this work as well. The one this session is the next session that mm-hmm. I teach, and I usually wear green. And I have a, um, a world ball and a moon. <laughs> and what I start the session off with is the earth, in a blown up ball of the earth, and throw it into the center. And I uh-huh. say to the kids, which side is up? And the kids go, this, that side's up. And I go, how do you know that's up? And they say, because the writing is that way. <laughs> and, I say, <laughs> and I say, children, I said, I went to NASA in the United States and I went to right. the Omni Theatre <laughs> and I said, I saw the Earth from space. Do you think I saw writing on the planet? <laughs> and they go, no. <laughs> So right. I said, so which side is up? <laughs> you know, you lot, you lot always call us down under. <laughs> right. So this is yes, a bit yes, of a lesson for the US well, as well. <laughs> we do, yeah, you, so you're, you're down under, yes. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> I say we're up above. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yes, it's so true. It's all about perspectives and the way we choose to see. And in truth, there is no up and down when you're in space. Exactly. It's a beautiful blue and green and white orb that's out in a solar system that is circling the sun in a a perfect order. So this is where science comes in. We see all the planets revolving around at various speeds around around the sun. Right. You know, we have gravitational pulls happening. So there is a great order to the universe, and that yes. order is on this planet as well. So even though negative events are happening, and we can perhaps use another word. What could we use? We could use um, mm. contrasting Unpre- events. Unpre- I use the word unpreferable. The things happen that I would prefer not to happen. <laughs> you know, unpreferable events, yes. Well, see, I'm seeing it as um, it needs to happen because mm. we have to confront. We have to confront within our... The, the reason it's happening is for a purpose, you see. Yes, There's great lessons that are going to come from this contrast. And the lessons, like, for example, in Syria, is not just about the Syrians. Because the message has been channeled around the planet, it's actually about us looking back at that situation and saying, well, who am I in reflection to that? hoo-ha in Australia over the child being washed up on the beach, the refugee child. And yet mm-hmm. refugee issues have been happening for forever. Um, and yet it was, a, it was a, an emotional scene that evoked within people a sense of that could be my child. 
Yes. And this is yes. the seeing of ourselves in the other. And mm-hmm. when we do, Syrian, the situation in Syria won't be happening. Um, the various conflicts around the world will just dissolve <clears throat> because everyone will see themselves as each other and they will be in service to one another. But at the moment, yes. we see ourselves as separate nation states. You, you know, many people would see themselves as Americans in the U.S., in Australia, we see ourselves as Australians. Because I've mm-hmm. been around the world um, to 20 countries, I see myself as a universal citizen. Yes. I subscribe to Gaia as um, really, love is my edict. Um, love would be my religion. And with the peace education and, and perhaps creating circle parliaments for children where they learn to conflict resolve together, collaboratively, not, not as two-party systems, we need to move away from this adversarial. I used to sit in Parliament a lot in Canberra because that's where I grew up, and uh-huh. I used to look at the bullying in the in the question time. And what I saw was a lot of time being wasted on fighting one another rather than sitting down, nutting out what is the real problem here we have to solve. A few Edward de Bono techniques, you know, the six thinking hats, creative thinking, right. uh-huh. being brought to bed. Bringing the, I used to be a market analyst, so I think bringing the community in, surveying the community and asking them what do they think could solve, for example, homelessness. We're getting more of that here in Australia now. Um, I saw it in the United States, people in tents, you know, a first yeah. world country. Yeah. <clears throat> we okay. have to come together and we have to take responsibility, not just blame the politicians when it's not working, but we the people right. have to take responsibility and see ourselves in one another and get active. Um, exactly. So so true. So, it's so true. Be the change that you want to see. That's so true. And it's so true that, you know, just being loving in every situation. Um, what awoke me, awoke me up to the truth of oneness is one sentence. Um, and I don't know if you ever saw the film What the Bleep, What the Bleep. Yes. But also, yes. Yeah, I love the fact that science has proven that we are literally all connected. But in the film What the Bleep, Lynn McTaggart um, made one statement that woke me up, that, that inspired my awakening, and that is the biggest problem in the world today is the illusion of separateness. It's, just, it's not real. We're not separate. We are literally all connected. And when we wake up to that truth, which I believe mankind is on the road to awakening to the truth of oneness, and once we are fully awake, when humanity is fully awake to the truth of oneness, there will be peace on earth because we will see ourselves in that other. So and true. that that vibration is shifting. And I actually interviewed the uh, director of What the Bleep. I was on radio for four years, and he was oh. one of my guests. Oh, um, awesome. So I'm I'm also very very interested in that. And what I would say also to people is that what we're dealing with here on the planet, and it's with great love that I say this. It's just simply unconscious. Oh, are you there? Did I lose you, Sue? Uh oh, technical difficulties. Not hearing you, Sue. 
I still see you, but I'm not hearing you. Um, Sue. Okay, sorry. I think we are experiencing technical difficulties. Um, We have actually gone over 15 minutes. Uh, The show is usually an hour, but uh, today I said let's just, I'm just enjoying and loving Sue's presence. She is amazing. Uh, She's on the other side of the world, (laughs) and somehow we just lost connection to Australia. But, Sue, I want to thank you. Um, Thank you so much for being a guest on Awake to Oneness Radio. I will communicate with you via Skype or um, email. Um, I'm not sure what happened, but we just lost you. But everyone, please check out Sue's website. Um, Susan's uh, website is www.worldpeaceful, spelled with uh, two L's, dot com. So that's www.worldpeaceful.com. And also on my website, you can find a link to her book. Um, thank you, Sue, so much. I know I don't think you can hear me, but thank you so much for being a guest on Awake to Oneness Radio. Love you much. Um, good night to all.